all things automotive with the petrol head, Niku Smith. <laughs> now I'm here again. Good morning. Yeah, all things automotive. So are you on the couch with a cup of coffee? Yes, I luckily um, power came back <laughs> about uh, half an hour ago, so I could make that coffee. Yeah. So, yes, I'm, I'm on the couch. I'm ready. Another show, another apology. It's like, one of, you know... Yeah, I, I love the replace. fact that you have to apologize after every show, eh? Hey? Yeah, like every, other, every, <laughs> show, every, every show is like, you know, maybe you should replace me with somebody that knows what they do, yeah. you know, what they're doing. So, never, um, never. Uh, there you go. I'll just keep on apologizing after each show, saying, listen, I actually know nothing, so um, let's replace this guy with somebody that knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so, um, uh, you remember a while back, I've had a few people ask about why don't we have solar panels on cars? Yes. Um, because, uh, you know, that, it would make sense. Um, and my answer, of course, was electric cars are heavy things because they are. And, um, um, uh, you know, manufacturers, I think, have tried a lot to get that right. Well, it seems there is actually a car uh, or just such a car called the Lightyear Zero. You know, like um, Buzz Lightyear. Um, so in this case, a car is called the Lightyear Zero, um, which is a concrete car, but it also looks like this is a car that will be sold um, in certain countries in uh, Europe. Um, and this actually has voltaic, voltaic, pa- voltaic um, panels that um, um, uh, help to charge the vehicle. Um, so when you're driving, um, they will put energy back into to get range in the vehicle. So, yeah. um, so the, the, first of all, the concept is to make a, 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 an electric car that is as light as possible. So um, the car weighs about 1.5 tons, which is normally quite light for an electric car. Electric cars easily go 2 tons or 2.6 tons. So it's 1.5 tons, um, first of all. So it is very slippery at 0.19, um, or the drag coefficient is 0.19, which is, means the car is extremely slippery. Um, and then also... It really is about efficiency. So it actually has an electric motor at each hub. So literally, um, uh, it's almost like the, the, the um, think almost think of it like this. It's almost like the mag is an electric motor. So there's an electric motor at each wheel, um, which uh, and the whole car is really about efficiency. So the power output is not a lot. It's, a, it's about only about 100 kilowatts. Yeah. Um, so um, so the idea is actually that if the car stands in the sun, you could put energy back into the battery. So according to um, uh, the company, um, this car can get about 70 kilometers of range every day by just standing in the sun. So it's almost the point is that um, it's almost like a range extender. So in other words, it's there to try and not let the level of the battery go low. So the, the, you charge the battery every day or you charge the battery. And then if you're driving, the sun actually keeps energy in the battery so it doesn't drop the range at all. So um, as I said, you can get about 70 kilometers per day. That's the claim. Um, from just the sun, and the total range overall of this car is 624 kilometers. So it's actually quite a lot of kilometers um, that you get out of the car um, as a total range. And as I said, with electricity as well, that's quite a lot of energy you can put back into the car. But it's not fast. Nord 200 is only about uh, 10 seconds, and it's going to cost roughly about $250,000. So it's about 4 million rands before import tax. So it's not cheap to get a car and, that and runs it does, the sun. And it does 0 to 100 in 10 seconds. Which is really slow. So this car is really <laughs> about one thing only, which is efficiency. Um, it's not about performance. It's not about anything else. It's about saying, okay, 
let's harness the sun, let's make a car that's as light as possible. Also, normally with, with solar panels, you can't really bend them. Um, so in this case, they've, they've got it right where um, it's part of the bonnet and then overall the roof all the way to the back are, are, are pa- panels that actually charge the car. So it's an interesting to, uh, car to look at. Um, you know, have a look at a car called the Lightyear Zero. So yes, it, it is something that's out there. It's not cheap yet, but if you can get it right, I think car manufacturers themselves are also going to look at this because it's not really in a normal production car for, for other reasons. So let's mm. maybe this is something we'll see more in the future. So let's um, talk. Um, go, we've got to go to a break, but when we come back from mm-hmm. the break, um, I, I just want to know, have you, um, have you, what's the word? Have you got any more apologies that you'd like to add? <laughs> or are you done? Are you done for today? I'm, I'm, I'm done for today. We'll never know what, what might happen in the next show. But no, you never know. You might say something yeah. that you need to apologize for next week as well. Exactly. Huh? Just, yeah, it seems to be the trend currently. It's the hashtag apology. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to go to a break and we'll come back to Nico right after that. Don't forget, if you've got any questions for him, now's the time to get cracking on those questions. You can then send them to us by WhatsApp, SMS. You can phone us. You can also do so on Twitter as well. All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Radio Nico Smith, let's continue. What are we talking about today without any apology whatsoever? I don't know. Um, maybe we should just take questions and then I'm safe. <laughs> oh, maybe that's where the problem is, actually. <laughs> you can't just take questions. You've got to, like, uh, come up with topics and things that make us interested that's in the world. That's how it works. Yeah, that's how it works. That's okay, how it works. Yeah, I misunderstood. So, um, worldwide, what do you think is the most popular car in the world? If you have to say cars that, that are sold by manufacturers and you take all the cars um, worldwide, because each country would have a certain amount of cars that are, are the most popular. Uh, and if you take all the countries in the world and you add up all the most popular cars and you rank them, which car, um, even I'll, let's make it broad, I'll give you a manufacturer. Which manufacturer do you think um, is the most popular worldwide if you look at the cars they sell? Toyota. Ooh, not bad. Very good. And if you now have to pick a car out of that Toyota... Oh, am I right? Range, yes, you are. That's what I'm saying. Not bad at all. I think we should swap roles. I'm going to come into the studio. I'll do the whole show. You do the motor segment. <laughs> it's a deal. I totally think we should do that one year. I'm, I'm, and in fact, one day. I'm totally, totally on about that. No, 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 no. Okay. No. Um, okay. The, here's another. Let me apologize. Toyota, La- Toyota Land Cruiser. Okay, so not worldwide, no. Um, not a bad guess. It's actually not in the top cars, but the, the, the most popular car worldwide, um, if you look at all the countries yeah. it, uh, for 2021, is the Toyota RAV4. Really? Yes. In South Africa as well, the RAV4 is, is a, pretty, a pretty popular car. Um, so worldwide, number one is the Toyota RAV, followed by the Toyota Corolla, um, followed by the Honda CRV. Yeah. Um, Nissan Sentra. Now, when I think Nissan Sentra, then I go back to like 1990s and I think of those Nissan Sentras from the 1990s. Of course, um, that car has evolved. So when you say Sentra, don't think Sentra from the 1990s. Then another one that's not in South Africa anymore as well is Toyota Camry. Camry at one stage was an extremely popular car, but of course, South Africans have a love for buckies. So, you know, we don't really buy, buy sedans. And of course, part of that is, of course, um, where we travel in, in the country. And part of that just, you know, yeah, what we drive. Then another Honda, Honda HRV. Then Ford F-150. I think America has a lot to do with um, the fact that the F-150 is so um, popular. I think it's a, 
quite a nice bucky. Then the Hilux. Then number nine worldwide is an electric car, the Tesla Model 3. And then at number 10 is the Honda Accord. Okie dokes. Well, I like the fact that the um, Toyota Corolla is doing so well because it makes a lot of sense. It's one of those perfect, perfect um, place uh, cars for, for, for so many different people and on so many different uh, levels. Nico, I've got a couple of questions I'll go through with okay. you now and then we'll go back okay. to uh, some of the major stories of the, of the week. Um, someone saying, oh, Dr. Vela and Tlapo from Bethlehem saying, I like the discovery for the previous model. I drove a 2013 model, had no complaints, and I want to have one again. At what kilometers should I look at? How far can this icon go? What is the, uh, how far can it go mileage-wise? Yo, Michelle, that, um, that's a difficult one always because it, um, it almost it depends on vehicle to vehicle. It depends on the engine, whether it's a petrol or a diesel, I guess. And for me also, um, in any car, it depends on how well the car was looked after um, and if the car had all its services. So um, I would start there with a full service history with any car. Uh, with Land Rover, that would be a good start. So the car had all the services. And normally, if you're looking at that far, far back, the car's out of plan for a while. So the car has been, it could have been, um, 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 you know, a service somewhere else. So did the car have a full service Then Where was it serviced then? You know, did they do a good job? When things um, broke down, were they replaced? Because, again, you know, if you leave one problem, it could uh, create other problems. Mm. Um, gear, gearboxes on those cars, I think, are, are poor converted gearbox, so they're quite reliable. Um, you've got to look at things like air suspension. Um, if you have to replace the air suspension, the car is almost now going to be 10 years old. Uh, that could be quite an ex- uh, expensive exercise. So the downside with any car that starts getting age um, behind it is that, um, you know, you, things will always have to be replaced. My car is already um, quite old as well, so I, I recently had to uh, replace um, um, uh, some some stuff from the vehicle. I had to replace batteries. I recently had to do brakes, um, uh, so I had to replace a thermostat, which is quite an expensive exercise. So things are going to break uh, on cars. That's a reality. At a certain time, they just don't last that long. And then when you have to replace, you also have to look at parts and what's the cost. I mean, the Disco 4 is a great car, don't get me wrong, but do realize that when the car is older and an older car like that, the, the cost of replacement parts might also be quite an expensive exercise. So what I would say is it's a great car. Maybe if you have some time or, you know, and it's possible, just go to Landover and, and, and phone them or phone a parts department and say, if I have to replace an e-suspension on this Disco 4, what will it cost me? Um, what are things that can go wrong and what will it cost me? So um, a lot of t- times when you go to a dealership and speak to somebody, let's say a service manager, they're quite open to say these are the costs because it's quite hypothetical. But I would start with a car with a full service history that's in a great condition that hasn't been in an accident. But I would do a bit of homework to find out what those parts could cost me because it could actually be quite expensive. Nico, should one take the car um, to, could one take a second-hand car to Discovery and ask them to check it out? You could take it to Landover definitely, but you can also, there's two places, you can go to DECRA, D-E-K-R-A, DECRA, and they normally take the car and go through it and give you a report that is actually um, quite comprehensive. Yeah. So the AI, I think the AA school does that as well. So in other words, they go through, they give you the car, the car once over. They'll say, listen, it needs a CD boot here, or there's a crack on the diff, or the air suspension yeah. is bellow, is faulty, whatever. So that's a good idea as well, to, to get a DECRA report, because then you know what you're in for. So um, nice nice add-on there, Michelle. That's a nice thing to, or that I would add on to make sure the car is okay if you buy it. Okay. But the Disco 4 was a, was a great car. Um, it was well-built. You know, The jump from 3 to 4 was quite good. 
it felt more like a German car. So, and they're extremely capable off-road vehicles. If you want to go off-roading, the Disco 4 is a great car. A lot of people are driving them and they love them. So it's a good choice. Just find out what things will cost you when they break. Shane wants to know, in the movie The Party, starring Peter Sellers, he uses a three-wheel car. What kind of car is that? I don't know. I need to, I need to search quickly while we speak and have a look at um, the images. So keep going. Ask the next question. I'll see if I can um, um, search for it uh, while you go for it. Next question. Is okay. another and one. if anybody is listening, maybe you can answer that. What is the three-wheel car that Peter Sellers drives in the party? So this is a question that I actually was asking you when we were in Cape Town talking about electric cars. Wendy in Cape Town wants to know, what will happen to flat dwellers and people without garages when electric cars are introduced? How will they recharge? Say again, what will happen to you? So, so people who live in flats or apartment blocks oh, um, oh, oh. and they may not have garages, what will happen to them? And I'm in, very interested in that answer, Nico. So, well, the thing with, with electric cars <laughs> Excuse me. It's, yeah, you've got to find a place to charge them. Um, you can charge them at a public charger, no problem. So in other words, in theory, you could own an electric car and um, charge it at a public charger, um, like a shopping center. That, that, um, so that's freely available. But the downside of that um, is that when you go charge it there, the cost of electricity is quite expensive. So it's going to cost you a lot more um, as opposed to charging at home. So. The, the, the big, real, one of the benefits of an electric car is the ease of charging. I know ESCOM is now a pain. pain. I, I, I'm so confused. I'm not sure if we're in stage two, stage four, stage six, or stage eight. So, number one, it's confusing. But at least the power goes on and off and on and off. And every time on the on time, you can charge that electric car. Um, so, the, the benefit at home is you just plug it in. And when you get back from work, you now make dinner, you watch TV, you listen to the radio, you sleep, whatever you're doing. Um, the car's been charged. So that's the benefit. Um, you don't have to stop at a filling station again. So the, the benefit of the home then is a bit difficult if the car's sleeping in the street. Even if you live in a big apartment building, we, I've had some people that ask me, okay, listen, and we're moving into an apartment building, we want to buy an electric car, um, what do we do? And then that's, all, that's up to the, to the, um, the, the body corporate of that um, apartment block. Because when you're charging the car, somebody's still paying for that electricity. So if you just have a parking you know, basement and you put a charger up there um, and you just charge the car every time, somebody's got to pay for the electricity. Mm. Some of your neighbors might be unhappy because they're effectively then paying for the electricity to charge your car. So that's, the, I think, the difficult side of this is, um, in, especially, let's say, in Cape Town, there tends to be more places where people sometimes park on the street or live in apartments where there isn't a, a garage. Um, where I live in Pretoria, um, again, if you live in certain areas in a, in, a, in a building, you know, an apartment building, it's not possible. So that's a difficult side of electric cars, um, but it can be charged at shopping centers. It's just the cost will be more. Okay, someone, someone says um, anonymous in Mpumalanga says, I'm driving a 2011 Yaris hatchback. About a month ago, the internal dashboard display panel started shaking when I went over a bump or an uneven. It's now a section of the road. It's now quite noticeable. Everything works fine, but it seems like maybe there could be a couple of screws or brackets or clamps broken. Mm. Can this cause any harm in the long run? And are there DIY measures that we can use to fix okay. it? I don't know about DIY. So in other words, it sounds like the, the instrument cluster is loose. Um, I, I would normally just have a look myself, but it depends on if you, um, you know, if you if you used to find and fix things yourself. I would take it to theater um, and let them have a look at it because sometimes it's not it's not a it's not necessarily an expensive fix initially, but it's difficult without seeing, but let's imagine something's loose. Um, 
and if you just put the screws back in again, if it was just screws, the car would be fine. But if it's something loose and rattles and maybe something breaks, as soon as something breaks, and you have, let's say you have to replace the whole panel, that suddenly becomes quite expensive. So, and while it's loose, have a look if, there's a, you know, if, if you have a screw loose, try and tighten the screw, um, see if that's possible. Otherwise, just take it into Toyota and maybe they can fix it before something breaks. So something like that, I wouldn't leave. It could be okay. But again, you need to see what the instrumentation gives you, and you don't want you don't want. Let's say eventually the system, the thing falls off, or a wire now short circuits or breaks, or whatever. Then it's going to be more expensive. So it comes back to that thing. When there's a fault, rather try and fix it quickly before it can get worse. But I don't know. You know, I have to almost see what the car looks like or what the issue is. But that's what I would do. I'd go to Toyota. Maybe it's something you know easy where they just turn five screws up and off you go and didn't cost you money. So I had a quick look. Um, it's difficult to say without spending more time. It looks like a Morgan. Um, it, I could be wrong. There's a car called a Morgan. So if you search for Morgan, Morgan has a free will. You're talking about the Peter Sellers movie. So um, Morgan um, actually has a very interesting three-wheeler that they still sell now. You can buy a Morgan three-wheeler even today. So it does, if I had a quick look, because I'm trying to multitask, um, but Morgan has a three-wheeler car um, that you can buy. I saw one in Santon a while back. Um, which was actually quite cool. So it could be that. Well, someone did uh, send a message saying 1933 Morgan Sports model. Someone else said um, a Robin Reliant made in the UK. Um, No, it's not a Robin. If I look at the picture, it looks like a Morgan, definitely. Okay, cool. Uh, Then... uh, A Robin... uh, Yeah, yeah. sorry, go on. No, that's cool. Just what is a Robin Reliant? Um... That's a, um, that's a car, if you watch Top Gear, you would have seen on Top Gear <laughs> while Jeremy Clarkson um, drove. So okay. that's a different um, different car. Okay. Okay. Um, hi, Michelle. Can Nico enlighten us to the potential long-term wear and tear of road speed humps on vehicles over time, even if taken at a low speed? And I would add, can we sue the city? Well, I would say the same. You know, if my, if my fridge goes because of load shedding, can I sue ESCOM? <laughs> so, uh, same question. Um, I think um, car suspensions are made, I mean, you, you have springs in a car, you have a suspension in a car to make the ride smoother, but also to absorb all the bumps in the road. Um, so the car is fine, I think, um, if you take, you know, these things at speed, you can do damage. But if there's a speed hump and you're going slowly over the speed hump, um, I see no issue. Um, but if you're taking it at speed, so the impact or the force through the suspension is quite harder. So I think that affects it. Um, so in other words, it's all again about what's the speed and what's the force going through the car. But the car is made to take bumps and unevenness in the road all the time. You know, serious potholes as well. If you hit a big hole, that that hard knock could actually also damage the car. Where if you were going at two k's an hour through it, it might not make a difference. So I think the speed at which you take things does affect the damage it would, which it done which it does but i don't think um you know that you can probably sue unfortunately um i don't know who you're going to sue because you're driving <laughs> all, you know let's say i live in pretoria who exactly would i sue for the bad roads uh, okay so this one is because you're one of the oaks okay so it's like <laughs> definitely because you're one of the oaks it's like nico my brew do you yeah. know how to get an international driver's license in south africa where what's the process you, 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 go, you, don't, you don't need that. You can go to the AA and get one. But um, it, it's, it so much looks like a fake thing, it shocks me. Because it's a little book. You go to the AA, it's a little book they write in. So, you know, when you go somewhere else, they almost, I've had it before. I, 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 don't know, I can't remember where I went. 
and, and they almost lifted their eyebrows when they looked at this thing where somebody actually put a picture in there and wrote in it. It is valid. So at the AA, but I've been to a few countries, Michelle, where um, if I go to, let's say, to Germany, my driver's license works there. In the USA, I'm trying to think, I think my driver's license works there. So I think you just do a little bit of reach, research. But in a lot of countries, if your driver's license is valid in South Africa, it might still work in that country. But I think an, an easy internet search would also fix that. So you don't necessarily do that. You need to do that. But if you're worried, the AA is the place to go. So just for clarity, when you want to get your driver's license, what you're saying is um, that one should uh, just go to the AA, get that um, driver's license. No, so you don't have to actually go and do a test or anything. No, no, no. So if you want an international driver's license, you go to the AA, you say what's the cost, whatever the cost is. I think they, um, from, and this has been a while back, I haven't done it anymore because it's not needed, but um, uh, I think you need passport photos, and then it's a little, it looks like a little booklet where, they, where that counts as a driver's, international driver's license. But as I said, I, a few times now, my valid South African driver's license has worked um, to drive. So, um, but I, would, I haven't driven in all countries in the world uh, by any, at, at all. So you need to, maybe as I said, if you're really worried, go to the AA, get one, and take your driver's license with you to wherever you're going. Or otherwise, just an internet search um, to see where South African driver's license is valid would probably also get you an answer. Okay, my brew, that's very good. So, okay. now, now, Nico, we've... I might apologize next week about this because well, maybe you... the AA has changed the procedure um, or, you know, maybe our license isn't valid everywhere. But currently, that's the case, well, from my current knowledge. We never know with you. There's always a possibility for an apology. And even if you're apologizing for something that didn't happen, it's all cool. Nico, we're closing off with something slightly different this week. We like um, have decided that we, we want to get to know you better. Someone said, why are we not putting out all your personal details? And I was, I didn't want, you okay, know. My height is 181. Uh, <laughs> when you say personal details, what exactly are you looking for? My eyes are blue. <laughs> there have, we go. Yeah, I, so, I, have, I also have an internal photo of our volcanic panel. See, I'm battling with that. Man. So I also have a sun panel built in. Okay, there we go. So there's some personal details. But we're going to close off with your jam of the day. So we've we've got Petrol Heads jam of the day. We've had um, everybody's big fat juices and we thought, why not give you your space as well? So what are you telling us to play as the last song of the hour and the jam of the day? Nico's jam. You're a bit quick on me, I have to say, quickly. So I quickly have to think of something that I enjoy and since, you know, I was younger. And my jam of the day is One Night in Bangkok by Murray Heath. Well, here goes. Nico, we'll chat to you next week. Are you coming into studio for fun? Let's see. I'm going to try my best. Let's let's (laughs) chat in the week and I'll try (laughs) to make it work. (laughs) But I might apologize. Okay, here's Nico's jam, Murray Head, One Night in Bangkok. All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith.